finished a, uh, a book uh, on church doctrine that will be coming out about, uh, I think, July 23rd or something like that. But I'm in the middle of writing uh, a book for uh, our widows, just going through the Bible. Um, we do a widow's banquet every year and honor our widows. widows. We do a good job of, uh, of, uh, of honoring our widows. Our deacons do a fantastic job of caring for them and watching over them. So I'm uh, kind of going through the Bible, choosing some widows to write an encouraging, more of a devotional book uh, for our widows. So uh, whatever you get this summer is going to come from a, a life of a widow and uh, in Scripture. And uh, so I'm about, it's going to be eight, eight chapters. I've, I've written three chapters in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but today we're going to look at Tamar, uh, a widow. If you don't know Tamar's story, it's an incredible story. Uh, and um, if you look in, in Genesis chapter 38 and you see uh, really uh, read the story. It, it's it's really a, a story of uh, the title of the chapter is going to be Tamar the Tenacious. And uh, Tamar uh, is really a widow who is dealt a bad hand. And she's dealt a bad hand by the men in her life, okay? and But she is so tenacious. And when we read the story, uh, it's a colorful story. It's a story uh, that, um, that when you look at the beauty of God's Word, when you look at Judges and when you look at, uh, you know, First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuel and you look through the New Testament and the Old Testament, um, you know, God paints life in living color. In, uh, in real color. And Tamar is one of those stories, and we're going to read it. And, and if you haven't heard her story, uh, let, me, let me tell you, in here, um, uh, there's a lot of uh, things that I won't need to explain to you uh, when you read. Uh, there are some things that she does uh, to carry on her husband's name that um, are clearly a sin, but what we're going to see at the end of the story is because of her faithfulness, she actually ends up in Matthew chapter 1 in the line and the lineage uh, of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, when Jesus begins to talk about the genealogy, he, he talks about Tamar uh, and her two sons, uh, which, um, which really go right back to Genesis chapter 38. And so uh, we're going to look at Tamar today, the tenacious. Hopefully we'll learn some things for us, uh, how we should operate and how we should act uh, from uh, the, the widow's perspective, uh, that what, uh, what the encouragement will be is that she was tenaciously pursuing justice and righteousness for her husband uh, and then ultimately her family, and it turns out that way. It also is painted in living color that, that the only way you can explain how Tamar, after we read her story, ends up in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy is that God is always about a redemptive history. God is always about taking things that we break taking things that we blow up, taking mistakes that we make in our lives and turning it for good and then acknowledging that. And so that's always a challenge for us us, us all as, as men. It's also an encouragement for us. Regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, uh, just like we're going to see in Tamar's life, uh, one of two things, all we have to do is turn and repent and pursue God and he offers full forgiveness, free forgiveness, and then he gives us a new story. He gives us a better story perhaps than when we've written for ourselves. Beyond that, uh, it, it tells us that there are times uh, that God will utilize sinful acts uh, to bring about 
his good story. And so really, that's what we're going to see as we look at Tamar today. Uh, it's, uh, it's colorful. It's interesting. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's exciting. It's uh, got deceit involved. It's got a prostitute in. Uh, it, it's got uh, kids uh, that battle a little bit. Uh, and it's got wicked sons. So pretty much like all of our families, right? Isn't that kind of where we are? Uh, painted a picture of all of us. Well, let me open us in prayer and we'll jump in and we'll dive in. Father, thank you so much for this day and thank you for uh, uh, your word. And we look, as we look, God, at, um, at our own lives and our own hearts, we realize that oftentimes we are a mess and we've made a mess uh, out of uh, the good and gracious gifts that you've given to us. But God, as we look at uh, this story, um, uh, God, let us, uh, let us learn from it uh, to be faithful men that uh, people around us uh, don't have to trick us into providing justice for them, but let us be honorable men in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, and really what we're going to do is we're going to look at, and if you think of this category or the chapter or the idea of Tamar the Tenacious, and uh, Tamar, this thing's falling down on me, uh, Tamar is, uh, is basically a, a widow who's, uh, um, who's, how's that? So uh, a widow who uh, gets married. So let's read her story. Jump in in verse 1. It says, uh, At that time, uh, Judah uh, le left his brothers and went down to stay with a man uh, of Adalon named Haran. And it says, There Judah... Uh, listen to this, the father of Ur and Onan and Shelah that we're going to see here in a second. Yes, he named his son Shelah. Uh, he met, met a daughter of one of the Canaanites, a uh, Canaanite man. He married her and made love to her. And she became pregnant, listen to this, and gave birth to a son uh, whose name was Ur. Ur was the first son. Uh, she conceived again, and uh, then she gave birth to another son, and his name was Onan. And then she gave birth uh, still again to another son, and his name was Shelah. And then as you jump down, look at his verse 6. So Judah had these three sons. Uh, Judah got a wife for Ur. That was the firstborn son. Uh, and her name was Tamar. So now we know who Tamar is. She's been introduced to the story. Uh, Judah's oldest son, Ur. Uh, marries Tamar. Now, notice what it says. It says, but Ur's, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight. So Judah didn't raise a godly son. Uh, we're not only going to see that he did not raise one godly son. He, he doesn't raise two godly sons, and he's not that godly himself, he, at least in this point in his life. So the Lord put him to death. So Tamar marries Judah's oldest son, all right? Uh, Tamar is, is not an Israelite. She's from outside uh, of God's story and God's family. And in doing so, she marries Ur. Ur turns out to be a wicked uh, man in God's sight. And so God puts him to death. God says, just enough. Now, what's supposed to happen? If you want to turn over, hold your finger there. Jump over to Deuteronomy chapter 25. All right, if you have a set of brothers, if you have a family member and a brother, let's say that, that, that just like us, there are three brothers that are here. Let's say that my brother marries a wife and he doesn't have children or offspring and he dies. Uh, part of the codified law, and we're going to read it if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5 to 9, uh, to carry on the family name, family name, the brother's name, then the brother or the brother-in-law, is supposed to take the wife, 
all right, and have a child with her to carry on his brother's name. Does that make sense? That was part of the way that God continued to per perpetuate uh, the people in the land and make, make sure they happened. So if you look in Deuteronomy chapter 25, uh, verse 5 and following, it says, if brothers are living together or near each other and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. So what is her command? She can't leave the family. She's got to stay in the family. So when we get back to Tamar, you're going to see that what Tamar is trying to do is obey God's laws to stay within the family. She doesn't go out and say, I want to marry someone. I, I want what is right within the family. So it says the widow is not free. So uh, unlike today, uh, unlike in our society today, that uh, if, if a man dies, uh, his widow is free to basically, if she's young or whatever, she's free to go uh, and marry anyone she wants. In her day, by law, she was supposed to stay within the family. All right, and then notice what happens. Uh, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother should then take her and marry her and fulfill his duty uh, of a brother-in-law to her. Then her firstborn son that she bears shall carry on the name of his dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from all of Israel. So does that make sense? Here's the plan. God says, I don't want to lose the name. So if uh, a man is married, he dies some tragic accident, or in uh, uh, Ur's case, he dies because he's wicked, uh, that widow is supposed to stay within the family. She's not supposed to leave the family. Uh, Brother-in-law is supposed to take her, uh, sleep with her, so his brother would have a family name, and his name would not ultimately be blotted out in Israel. So that's where Tamar is. Her husband, who turns out to be wicked Ur, uh, is supposed to stay within the family. So notice what happened as you pick it up and you read. It says, Then Judah said to Onan, all right, so Judah's the dad, uh, says to Onan, who's Onan? He's the son number two, right? He says to Onan, uh, sleep with your brother's wife, fulfill your duty to her that we just saw in Deuteronomy chapter 25, your duty to her uh, as a brother-in-law and raise up an offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would ultimately not be his, so whenever he slept with his, her, his, uh, his brother's wife, uh, he would spill his semen on the ground uh, to keep her from providing offspring for his brother. In other words, he said, I'm not going to do it. He says, I'll pretend to do it. I'll pretend to try, but I'm really not going to do that. Don't care that much about my brother. I don't know if they're bitter against each other. I uh, don't know if he wasn't a big fan of Tamar, but he also was had some selfishness, right? He was like, I don't want to raise somebody else's kid because once he takes this child in, he has to raise it it carry on the legacy of the brother, but guess what? Then he's got to turn around and give him some of his assets when he dies. Because why? He's trying to carry on his brother's legacy. Instead, what would he rather do? Onan would rather be selfish. He says, I want everything my brother had. I'm going to keep it for myself. None of it's going to Tamar. It's not like today where uh, actuaries know this. We all know. How many of you know that, 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 that if you died, your wife would be better off? Yeah, 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 you know what I'm talking about? I mean, financially, my wife would. Uh, I can trickle along as on a pastor's income, or she could blot me out and do quite well. So uh, I'm always a little bit fearful about that. But in that day and in their day, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. Because what happened is, man, the brother uh, had everything. And once he died... Uh, Onan could take everything his brother had. Now, if Onan has an offspring with Tamar, guess what he has to do? 
take everything that was his brother's and give it away. So because of selfishness, Onan says, I'm not going to do it. And so uh, he, says, uh, he says, I'm not going to do it. He would spill his semen on the ground uh, and keep providing an offspring for his brother. Uh, what he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So now listen, let this be, uh, uh, be a warning to all of you. So the Lord put him to death also. All right? Strike two, uh, Team Judah, right? Strike one, Ur's gone. Strike two, uh, Onan's gone. And so remember, there was one brother, and his brother's name was she uh, Sheila. So here's what Judah said. This is the father. Uh, Judah, Judah then said to the daughter-in-law, uh, Tanar, he says, Go live as a widow in your father's house. Uh, hold until my son Sheila, that's son number three, grows up. For he thought, uh, for he thought to himself, he may he may die too, just like his brothers. And guess what? Then I've got to I've got to take care of her and carry on my brother's name. So Tamar went to live in his father's household. Now listen, this should not have happened. All right, if you think about Judah's life, Judah, Judah should have kept her in his house and provided for her and cared for her. That was what should have happened, but it didn't happen. So notice as you continue to read the story, it says after a long time. Uh, Judah's wife, the daughter uh, of Shuad, died. Uh, when Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah uh, to the men where he was shearing his sheep and his friends in Hira, uh, the Adutalite, uh, went with him. When Tamar was told that your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down by the entrance, all right, uh, to Iman, uh, which is on the road to Timnah. For she, for she saw that though Sheila, all right, this is son number three, was now grown up, she had not been given to him as his wife. So what did she know? She goes, basically, Judah's just thrown me out to pasture. He's basically said, I'm out on this whole deal. Uh, Ur died, Onan died, Sheila's my third son. Why am I going to go bring another widow back in here that I would carry things off? And so what he, he becomes selfish with his possessions. One of the things we always want to be careful, let's don't be selfish, guys. And so what does Tamar do? And this is why Tamar the tenacious. She takes matters into her own hand. Does anybody know the end of the story? Man, as you continue to read on, notice what it says. Uh, she took off her widow's clothes, uh, and she uh, took all of that stuff up and says, I'll send a young goat. And so as we jump up, it says, when Judah, uh, when Judah saw her, he, brought, he thought she was a prostitute. So she hid out. She dressed like a prostitute. Uh, for she had covered her face, not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over by the roadside and said, there, come now, let me sleep with you. So Judah is now saying, hey, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you, she asked. So Tamar is now asking her father-in-law, what will you give me to sleep with you? He says, I will send you a young goat from my flock, he said. And, we'll, if you'll get, and she says, what will you give me as a pledge? So I know that you'll send it to me. In other words, she knows he's a lying scoundrel. All right? He said, uh, what pledge should I give to you? Uh, she says, hey, give me your seal and your cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him, her father-in-law, after she left. Now, um, how many of you are sitting here? This, who's, re, who's seeing this story, for, and it's okay, for the first time? Anybody seeing this story for the first? Are you kind of sitting here going, is this really in the Bible? <laughs> it is. It's right here. 
And uh, the truth is, that's one of the beauties of God's Word, is it tells the truth. And if you look at this story, and we're going to show you where it concludes, this is a screwed up story. How many of you understand that? Right? This is a messed up story. And so here's the beauty of God's redemptive story in your life and my life. If God can use this story of a screwed up man with wicked sons who has a widow that has to take matter into her own hands by becoming a prostitute, but that woman who took matters in her own hands end up, as we're going to read here in a few minutes, in the line and the lineage of the Messiah, that's a God who is on a redemptive mission. And that also is a God who says, it doesn't matter how ugly your story is, how bad your kids turn out, what decisions you make that break His law. His grace can always turn it around. And so that's one of the things that we want to gain from this story. So now, basically, uh, uh, she outsmarted Judah. She says, hey, give me your seal and your cord. And so it says she becomes pregnant. Uh, and um, uh, so what happens? She becomes pregnant. And so he does actually, uh, he wants his seal and his cord back. Uh, and so notice what it says, verse 18. Uh, he says, what pledge do you want? She says, give me your seal and your cord. She became pregnant. And then look at verse 19. It says, after she left, uh, she took off her veil, put on her widow's clothes again. Look at verse 20. Meanwhile, Judah actually sends the goat down. Why? Because he apparently cared for the sword and the seal. Uh, and he says he sends a young goat with a friend down uh, in order to get the pledge back from the woman. Uh, but he did not find her. He asked the men who live there, where is the shrine prostitute who was beside the road when, my, when Judah came down? They said there hasn't been a shrine prostitute. What is he saying? All the men of the town are going, there's not a shrine prostitute in this town. And uh, you, can you imagine being the guy sent to ask those questions? Hey, I'm, uh, I've got a goat, and I'm looking for the shrine prostitute. <laughs> and the guys are going, uh, there, there's no shrine prostitute. And he goes, no, 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 no. Judah said there was. And then you're looking at a bunch of dudes, and they're kind of going, now which one of our wives did you sleep with? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, these guys are kind of grabbing their sword. Well, what does she look like? Uh, where are they going to be about to, you know, so you're sitting here going, this is all is intrigue. So Tamar basically takes off her widow's clothes because you did have something to signify that you were a given woman. Okay, uh, kind of kind of like the mob idea. I'm a given woman to another family. I am waiting for Sheila. Is who she, so she had to wear that, all right? Everybody had to know that she was not available, all right? She wasn't on eHarmony for widows, okay? Uh, she had to wear something that signified she was a taken woman, all right? But she takes it off. She, she realizes Sheila's grown up. He's not fulfilling his covenant vow to me. He's not providing for me. He's not caring for me. He's not going to even give his son Ur, as wicked as he was, an offspring. He wants everything for himself. So she gestures like a prostitute, catches him coming, realizes, I know what kind of dude this is. She draws him in, sleeps with him, becomes pregnant, all right, takes the seal and the cord, leaves, all right. Uh, Judah sends a guy down, says, hey, go give her a goat, get my cord and my seal back. I don't even want to see her again, all right. 
I don't, I don't even want to see her again. Goes down there. The men of the city go, there's, there's no prime, shine, prime prostitute. And they said, no, no, no. Judy said there was. And uh, the guy said, nope. And so notice he comes back. And he goes, there hadn't been any prostitute here. Uh, so he went back uh, to Judah and said, I didn't find, uh, find her besides the men uh, there said, there hasn't been any shrine prostitute uh, around at all. And Judah said, what, did you continue to look or ask questions? He goes, no, nah, I figured once you said you slept with someone, they said it wasn't a prostitute. I didn't want to ask a lot of questions, all right? I just kind of backed out on your behalf, right? And so uh, it says, then Judah said, all right, let her keep what she has or we, um, uh, or we will become a laughingstock after all. Uh, I did send her the young goat, but you didn't find her, so I kept up my end of the bargain. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law, Tamar, is guilty of prostitution. As a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, bring her here and let's burn her to death. All of a sudden, he is a man of righteousness, right? All of a sudden, he's a man of God. He is going to step in. He is going to defend his son's honor, right? How many of you think he's a bit inconsistent? All of a sudden, you are not going to cheat on my dead son. You're not going to act like a prostitute. You are a given woman. You are a given woman to my son. You are a given woman to my son and my other son, and you're given to my other son. And guess what? The best thing I can do, what was he really wanting to do? Doesn't tell us the reason. Here's what I believe. Best thing he can do is just knock her off. And he's going to use God's law to do it. And guys, we always want to be careful that we don't selectively use God's laws when they benefit us to destroy someone else. Guys, if God has showed up in your life with amazing grace, be sure that you show up in other people's lives with that same amazing grace. And that's what we need to understand. But a lot of times, what do we want to do? We, God pulls us, and I see it all the time in a church, God pulls us from a tragic past, a difficult, sinful past. We grow up a little bit. We get around others, uh, other spiritual leaders. We get around people, and we grow in our faith. And what happens if we aren't careful? We become Pharisees. And we forget that it was God's grace that brought us out of a miry pit or the muck. God lifted us up because of His grace and allowed us to stand on firm footing and on firm ground. And so here you have Judah. He says, bring her to me and let's burn her to death. Verse 25. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these. Now, this is an awesome story. <laughs> right? It just gets better and better and better. And she says, hey, before you burn me, just so y'all will know who else to kill, is the dude that owns these. All right? And she holds up his stuff and said, this is the guy I slept with. Well, what should have happened? He should have been killed too, right? What a beautiful story. So 
you say, Pastor, you're putting that in your, this story in the book about widows. Absolutely. Tamar the Tenacious. Because there are times and there are seasons where ladies who are widows have been dealt, dealt with poorly by families and even men in their lives. There are those. And to tenaciously pursue justice. So notice what happens as we, uh, as we journey on. He says, she's guilty. Bring her to me to burn as she was brought out. Uh, she said to her father-in-law, uh, here I'm pregnant by the man who owns these. Uh, and she added, see, uh, if you recognize whose seal and cord or staff these are. She goes, anybody recognize these? Now notice, Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I am since I wasn't, wouldn't give her to my son Sheila and listen to this, and he did not sleep with her again. Man, as you think about it, um, and in the passage there, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, uh, I love what Paul says in that Romans 8 passage. He says, man, if the Lord is for us, as God is for us, who does it matter is against us? And you think about Tamar and her story and everything that took place, and Judah has a moment in a season of repentance. Now, as you go on and as you read the rest of the story, it says, sure enough, she was pregnant. She was pregnant by her father-in-law. She ends up with not one but two kids. Uh, she ends up with two kids. She has two children. Now, jump to Matthew chapter 1. Let me show you where she shows up in the story. Matthew chapter 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus. So she's got two, uh, two kids. Are you there? Matthew chapter 1. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Abraham. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. All right? Notice what it says. Judah, his infamy, written in red letters, right? All through uh, Genesis chapter 30, uh, Judah, strike one Ur, strike one, uh, strike two Onan, strike three Judah. It says, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Anybody ever notice that in the genealogy? Do you ever know the story of Tamar right there in the genealogy of Jesus? And you're sitting here going, Kah! What a crazy story. A woman that was not an Israelite gets brought in by marriage to an Israelite family. She marries a wicked Israelite. And the only person in the family more wicked was the other brother she marries, and the Lord puts him to death too. And instead of the Lord providing an offspring, Judah, her father-in-law, pursues a prostitute who happens to be her that he doesn't recognize. And they have, those are the two sons, whose mother was Tamar, and then Perez, the father of Herod, and you go all the way down and you read on and on and on. Now jump to verse 17. It says, Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David uh, to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. And as you think about God's redemptive story, as God takes men and women and people in all situations and in all settings and redeems their story. 
And so as you think about Tamar's story, think about your own story. Think about things you've done in the past. And, and, and the truth is, guys, there are times as we look back in our past, past and it might not be the object that we can hold in our hands um, where someone says, I've got your seal and I've got your, co- your cord. But the reality is we gave them away. And at any moment, they could be brought out and used against us in our presence.